Good morning. My name's Mark. I'm the pastor here at Union Church. It's wonderful to be with you this morning as we, as we worship and glorify God together. So our, our principle of scripture this morning, it's going to sound very familiar because we used this last week, this week as well, and it was just the prayer we said. But this is Jesus teaching on prayer, his pattern prayer for his disciples, Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. And Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then it just doesn't sound right if you don't add this on the end, right? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Well, Father God, we pray today that you would attend our time in worship. We pray, Father, that you would enlarge our capacity to receive your love as our Heavenly Father. We know that you are here. We know that you see each one of us and that you love us. And we ask now that you would connect our hearts with the pleasure that is in your heart toward each one of us. And I pray that you would let us taste and see this morning your goodness, for indeed you are our good, good Father. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So uh, today we continue our series on knowing God, on knowing God, and we've been sort of reflecting on this question of, of are you growing? You know, this year as compared to maybe one year ago at this time, are you growing in your knowing of God? And do you know God as Lord? Do you know God as healer? And then today we're going to talk about, do you know God as, as Father? Do you know Him as your heavenly Father? And of course, like, like we just saw in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us to, to pray to, and to know God as the Father. It begins, our, our Father in heaven. We pray to God our Father in heaven. And so the Bible tells us that, that we do indeed have a, a heavenly Father. Like Jose Luis said, we have an, every one of us has an earthly father, a human father, but we all As we are in the family of faith, we have a heavenly father. And the Bible says that that we have a heavenly father who who knows us and who loves us, who who hears our cries and who responds to our prayers. And and more so, he, he enjoys it when we come to him. And the Bible says as well that as believers, we can come boldly to God's throne of grace, to our Father's throne of grace in our time of need. Um, However, that that idea to come before God's throne boldly in our time of need, how we do that, um, how we come into God's presence, it has a lot to do with how we we think and how we believe that the Father sees us. Does he find pleasure in us? Or do we feel like maybe he's disappointed in us? How we feel about that very thing um, has everything to do with how we come before him. Can we come before him with boldness 
and with courage. Now, for many years, I missed this. I completely missed this in my walk of faith. I I lacked confidence and I lacked boldness and I lacked courage in coming before God as my heavenly father. Uh, I, I had a distorted picture in my mind of what God the Father was, was really like. And um, I didn't expect him to have happy feelings when, when it came to me coming before him. And so that affected my, my prayer life. That affected my relationship with God the Father. And, and, and it, was, it was difficult to en- engage in, in an active prayer life, an active connection with God the Father when I felt like maybe he's disappointed in me, that I felt like if I were to come before, um, if I were to come before his, his throne, that he would not be happy with me. Maybe you felt that way in your walk of faith before as well. But this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about that, about what our relationship with God the Father is like and what, what, what his love is like for us. And so basically, I want to talk a little bit about the Father heart of God today and the goodness of God today for, uh, for his children. There, there was a, like I said, there was a time in my life when I was a, when I struggled with this. It was when I was a younger man and I struggled with my faith. I struggled with my, my sense of identity in this world, with who I was and uh, with who I was as a man, with who I was as a Christian. I was struggling with, with these very things. And then these verses spoke into my heart, uh, and, they're, and they're verses from Ephesians, the first chapter of Ephesians in verses three through five, where Paul writes, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So he he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons or as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Those verses from Ephesians really spoke to me. They really connected in my heart as I was struggling with my own faith and my own identity. And, and I, from that, I began to get this sense of belonging, this sense that God had indeed chosen me, had adopted me, had, had made it possible for me to be his son through Jesus Christ. And, and even more, he had brought me into his family so that I could begin to catch a glimpse that, that my identity was as a child of God, was as part of the family of God. And and perhaps that's the deepest thing about me, that I'm a child of God. The theologian J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, in that book he seeks to answer the question of what is a Christian? And and he he gets at that question, what is a Christian, by, by saying this, he says, a Christian is someone who has his, a, a Christian is, is someone who, who has God as his or her father. A Christian is someone who has God as their father. That's how he answered the question, what is a, what is a Christian? And I, and I think as believers, brothers and sisters, that is what we have. 
That, that is something we all share in common, that we have God as our Father. Amen? Yeah, we have God as our Father. We have a, a Father in heaven. It means that we belong, that we're not just out there by ourselves, that we're not isolated, but that we're part of a family, the family of God, the household of God. It's really a wonderful thing, that it's in God's heart to bless us and to protect us and to love us and to provide for us. But the sad news is this, that many believers, including myself at at one time in my life, we don't live in the reality of that love and of that acceptance that the Father has for each one of us. Um, I I once heard heard a a person talk about a dream or a vision that she had had. And and in this this vision, she saw God the Father. and, And God the Father was in his big house and he was at his big dining table and he was preparing a meal for all of his children, a banquet for all of his children. He invited all his children to come to this great feast that he was preparing and he had all this this wonderful food prepared and laid out on the table for his sons and daughters to feast with him. And, and, And this woman, she said in her dream, in her dream she saw a rat And the rat kind of scurried out of a a hole in the the baseboard of the wall and scurried across the room and then got to the table and sort of climbed up the leg of the dining table and then snuck across the table and and grabbed a, a grape. Took that grape and scurried back off the table, down the leg, across the floor, into its rat hole. Sounds like that movie, Ratatouille, doesn't it? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and so the, the rat went back into its hole. And, and then this woman, she's sharing about this dream. And she says she then woke up from her dream. And she was really discouraged and disturbed about it. because, Or she was very disturbed about it. She felt like God was telling her that that's how many of his children feel. That they, they feel like that rat scurrying off from the father's table with just a crumb back to their hole, isolated. And when I heard that, when I heard that vision or that dream described, I mean, I, I could identify with that because, you know, there, there was this time in my life when, when I, I felt like this rat in the presence of a holy God. And in that season of my faith journey, it was really hard for me to, to pray to God. It was really hard for me to relate to God as, as a loving father. And, and my picture of God, if you had asked me what my, what my picture of God looked like in that, in that time in my life, you know, I probably would have been like God was, you know, this ancient of days, this old, this great old man sitting on his great throne. And he was sort of peering down at me, you know, over his nose, sort of with those reader glasses and peering down at me, sort of like a a grumpy old fellow just waiting to see if I would do something wrong. And it felt like if he were to say something, like, like, say something to me, it, w- it would be like he would say, Mark, you're, you're such a disappointment to me. That's how I felt. That's how I felt in my relationship with God. It felt less like the interaction of a father and a son and more like the interaction of a, you know, a policeman and a criminal, the policeman just waiting for the criminal to do something. He could catch him, do something wrong. That's how it felt for me. 
And, and for many of us, the truth is, is that we, we tend to project the kind of relationship, the kind of experience we, ha- we have had with our earthly father, we tend to project that onto our understanding of our heavenly father. I think it's just kind of natural that we do that. So, you know, some of us on... on some of us in our life, we've had a really great relationship with our earthly father, and we kind of project that as helps us to understand our relationship with our heavenly father. And some of us, we've had a pretty crummy relationship with our earthly father, or maybe he wasn't there for you. And then you tend to sort of, it, it's hard not to identify that as in your understanding of God, of your heavenly father. And, and you know, for me, for me, um, when, I was, when I was coming up as, you know, as a teenager, I... Now, now, let me just back up. Now, I, I have a great relationship with my dad, my earthly father. I have a great relationship with him. But when I was a teenager coming up, it was hard. It was hard, right? And I sometimes felt like that picture of God, like he's looking down at me, just waiting on me to make, make a mistake and to get myself into trouble. And he tended to be a little more of a perfectionist type. And I tended to be a little more of a screw-up type. And <laughs> I mean, it was, it was tough. It was tough for both of us, you know, not just for me. It was tough for both of us. And, and in my family of origin, we, I, knew, I know my family loved me and my parents provided for me in every way and were there for me, but we weren't, we weren't a real affectionate family, like physically affectionate as a family. And I think that all of that, I think kind of, kind of colored my understanding of my heavenly father up to a certain point in my life, you know, that I, that I struggled to understand the affection and the love that my heavenly father had for me. Now, like I said, my dad and I now, we've got a really good relationship and I'm so thankful for that. You know, I'm so thankful that, um, that we kind of evolve as human beings and, and we can overcome some of our own shortcomings and that we can find harmony in relationship. I'm so glad for that. But, but that experience, it, it, it sort of shaped some of my faith at an earlier time in my life. And may, maybe you've had experiences like that as well. And I think what it does for us is that is that it creates kind of a disconnect in our heart with our Heavenly Father so that we can come into a place like this on a morning like this and we can, you know, you can sing the songs and you can say the prayers, you can raise your hands and worship, but at the same time feel a disconnect with your Heavenly Father. And it's almost as if we're living as if we're spiritual orphans. Now, earlier earlier in my ministry, it was really the first, the first opportunity I had to, to work in a church. I wasn't a pastor. It was before I went to seminary, but I, I worked in a church and I, I was a director for a, a ministry program that we had for, for the homeless in our community. It was a really, it was a, a really pretty profound experience for me to, to work in that context, but it was difficult. And, and I was ministering to men who were homeless. They were, we were on the Gulf Coast in the United States and they were kind of traveling from city to city looking for jobs in shipyards and they were struggling mightily with their circumstances in life. I ministered to, to women and children. It was really tragic. Some of these women and children that were so exposed living on the street and just kind of um, abandoned in that way. I ministered to, to teens who were living on the street and homeless and struggling with addictions. Just a lot of broken people a lot of broken people, and it began to help me understand my own brokenness in, in my life. But, but in the midst of that, you know, I began to understand, I mean, those people, I, I use that language that sometimes we feel spiritual, like spiritual orphans. I mean, those people felt like they weren't just spiritual orphans, they were, they were just orphans from the world in a way, just rejected 
in a way, really broken people. But God began through those experiences to show me these things, to help me to understand who I was as a child of God and who he was as, as a loving heavenly father for me. And I was, in, that time, in that time, in those experiences, I was drawn to this verse from John 14, 18, where Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. You know, if, you're a, if you feel like a spiritual orphan, somehow disconnected from God the Father, if you feel like a, an orphan from the world, just broken by the circumstances of your life, Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. And he says, I will come to you. I will come to you. What an amazing thing that is that he would say. And so my prayer became, God, I need you here. I need to connect my heart to the reality of your love. I need this in my life. And, and I just prayed, God, give me acceptance as your spiritual child. I think all of us have an innate need to, to come home, right? To come home to, to our Heavenly Father, to be loved, to be understood, to be accepted. We, we, we need that connection. That's what I longed for. And I think that's what so many of us tend to, to long for in our spiritual life. And, and what, we, what we tend to do, the human thing that we tend to do is we want to just make a go of it on our own, right? I'm just going to work. I'm just going to work at this thing you know, hard enough that I'm going to make it work on my own, on my own strength. I'm going to make a name for myself, right? Maybe I struggle to connect spiritually with God. Well, I'm going to make a name an identity for myself. That's what we tend to do as human beings. But, but I think what we begin to learn as we mature in our faith is that, is that we must let God give us our name and give us our identity, right? Our, our identity cannot be earned. The world tells us it can be. If you work hard enough, you make a name for yourself. But our, our identity cannot be earned. It can only be given your true name, your true identity, your true home can only be given to you by your heavenly Father. And, and, and you know, the most, the, most, the most important characteristic of a, a spiritual son or daughter of God is one who submits his heart to God. The most important characteristic we can have as believers is to submit ourselves to God, right? To have a heart that comes before God and says, I acknowledge you as my God, as my Father. I acknowledge that, that I'm going to find my ultimate worth and my ultimate value and my ultimate identity in you and not in what I can do. And that we give God the permission to declare over us who we truly are as children of God. And I think that's where that's where the magic starts to happen, right? That's where that spiritual magic begins to happen as, we, as life begins to spring forth in our hearts, as we begin to understand who we are and whose we are as, as children of God. And, and of course, you know, Jesus was a perfect example of this, right? Jesus, he was a great son, right? Great son, had a great relationship with his father. He, he submitted himself to the father's will. He did the father's will on earth. You know, he said, not my will be done, but your will be done. Father, your will be done. And we need to learn from that. That needs to be part of who we are. And, and there's, there's the, 
you know, there's, there's many things that are true about every single one of us, but there's only one thing that is most true about every single one of us. I'll give you an example. You know, there's many things that are true about me. All right, Mark Hunt, there's many things that are true about me, but there's only one thing that's most true about me. I mean, there's many things that are true, right? I'm, I'm 48 years old. I know that's a shock, right? Probably thought it was 38. No, 48 years old. I'm married. I've got three kids. I'm from the state of South Carolina in the United States. Um, I've got things I like to do. I've done, I, 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 I've got strengths and I've got weaknesses, right? I've done many things in my life and there's a lot of things I have not done. I've gotten some things right in life and I've just flat out messed up some things in life. There's a lot of people I know and there's a lot of people I don't know. Um, God has blessed me with, with some resources that he's put into my stewardship and there's a lot of resources out there that, that aren't mine, that I don't have stewardship over. These are all things that are, that are true about me. Things that are good, some of them aren't so good. There's pros and cons, positives and negatives, right? And on and on and on. There's a lot of things that are true about me. But the problem is, is that when we take something that is true about us, it might be a good thing. And we make that thing an ultimate thing, right? We make that thing the most true thing about us, right? It might be what we do. It might be something about our family, right? It might be some hobby we're really good at or some sport we're really good at, but we make that thing the most true thing about us. And that's when we begin to get into trouble because if we allow someone else or something else to become the most true thing about us that gives us our identity, well, you know what? Those things can go away, right? Um, people come and go in our lives. And if, if that person goes, then suddenly you lose your identity, right? If that thing that you do, you no longer can do it, you suddenly lose this important part of your identity, right? And you, you lose part of your worth. It's, it's, like, it's like this. It's like that man, he, he had a job in finance. He was really successful at his job. He made a lot of money in finance. He loved his job. But he began to drink, and over time, his drinking got more and more, and it began to become more and more of a problem, and, and his alcoholism began to, to really strip away his effectiveness in his job until one day his boss called him into his office and said, look, I got to fire you. I've got to let you go, right? Because you can't, you're not performing at work. You're not able to do your job, and you need to go, and you need to get some treatment, you need to get sober, you need to get your life in order. And he said, we love you, you know, you do that, you come back, we'll give you your job back. And the man, he broke down in tears and he begged his boss not to fire him because he said, if I don't come into this office next Monday morning, then I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know who I am anymore. I mean, what, what is it? What is it or who is it in, in your life that is giving you your strongest sense uh, of self-worth or, or, or of, of confidence or of satisfaction. What is it in your life? Because I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, God wants to be that thing. 
or God wants to be that person that is giving you your greatest sense of self-worth, is giving you your greatest sense of self-confidence, that is giving you your greatest sense of satisfaction in your life. God wants to be that in your life as your heavenly father. He wants to be that thing. And you know, for me, I, I had to repent of that. I had to come before God and say, please forgive me for, for looking to, to things within myself or people within my life to try to find my ultimate identity and satisfaction in these things. And I had to repent of this and say, God, I'm sorry. I submit to you. I want you to be the greatest thing about me, the most defining thing about me. You know, and, and to give God that permission, you know, declare, declare who I am. Declare that over me, God. Maybe that's something, maybe that's a prayer you need to make as well. Um, sometimes we let good things define us. Sometimes we let bad things define us. I mean, I, I, over years of ministry, I've talked to quite a few people and they, they've had a sin nature that they're really struggling with. And, and as a result of that sin nature, there's a lot of shame that they're, that they're under in their life. And that shame begins to, to define who they are. But even your sin is not the deepest thing about you. I, I don't know if you've, if you've heard this said. I think this is, a great, this is a great little saying. I don't know who came up with this, but it's great. It says, the devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. But the Father, the Father knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. He knows your name. He declares it over you and he loves you. The Father knows your sin. He knows your sin. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your brokenness, but he calls you by your name and he wants to draw you into the, the amazing life of fellowship with the Father, amen? It's amazing. Now, if you had been, if you had been alive like 2,000 years ago, more or less, and if you had lived in Judea, then you probably would have heard about this new prophet who was around, this kind of wild prophet. He was ministering in the wilderness. He was baptizing people in the Jordan River. And you might have even just been moved in your spirit to say, I want to go and see this prophet. This was John the Baptist. I want to go see this man. And you might have gone with the crowds out of the city, out into the wilderness, out to the river to see this, this man, John the Baptist. And as you got there, you might have had to push your way through the crowds to kind of get close enough to see. And there in the river was John and he's preaching and he's teaching and he's got this kind of wild look about him. And then if you were there on the right day, on just the right time, you would have seen another man walk into the river and come to John and John would have recognized that this man was the one, that this man was Jesus. And Jesus came to John and he asked John to baptize him. And John baptized Jesus there in the Jordan River and if you were there on that day, you would have seen Jesus baptized by John and then you would have seen the, the heavens open and a dove descend. The Holy Spirit as a dove descend onto Jesus. And you would have heard the audible voice of the Father saying, this is my son. This is my beloved. Whom I love. I'm pleased with him. 
You've heard God the Father say this. These are the words that we all long to hear from our Father. You're my son, you're my daughter, I love you. I'm well pleased with you. The words we long to hear. Jesus needed to hear that. We, we need to hear that too. We need to hear those words. We need to hear the voice of the Father declare over each and every one of us who we are and whose we are, that we are children of God, that we are his beloved. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? He is here for us. The love of the Father is real. Amen. And it's here for you as you believe on him, as you trust on him, as you begin to lose confidence in your own self and place your trust in your loving Heavenly Father, that he is here for you and that he loves you and that he wants to be that part of your life that defines who you most are. Are you growing in your knowing of God? And do you know him as father? Let me finish up with this. It's a story I heard from a missionary, someone who was involved in um, ministry to the persecuted church, was involved in ministry in, in a majority Muslim country. And the story was about a teenage girl in this country and connected to this ministry. And she had come to a, she'd grown up as a, as a Muslim, and, but she had come to a, a knowledge of Jesus as her savior. She had come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And at home, she told her father about this new faith that she had in Jesus. Now, her father flipped out about this. He flipped out. He beat her up, and he stripped her of all her clothes, and he pushed her out of the house, kind of disowned her, pushed her out of the house, exposed, naked, alone, beaten, into the street, closed the door. And she ran, she didn't know what to do. She just ran down the street, exposed, scared, beaten. This broken relationship with her father. And as she ran, at a certain point, the door of a home opened and a family had just happened to open their door at that time and there she was on their street in front of their home. And this family, by God's grace, this family happened to be a Christian family. And they, they took her into, they, they invited her into their home and they ministered to her and they protected her and they provided for her. And, and then some days later, uh, a person who was a friend of this, of this young woman, they, they spoke to her and, and said, I saw you running down the street late at night just the other night. Why were you out so late? Why were you running down the street? And then he said, and why were you wearing that beautiful white dress? Isn't, isn't that amazing? Isn't our God so good. 
doesn't he love us so much? He takes care of us. He's our heavenly father. Do you know him today? Do you know God as father? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, this time to worship as a family of faith. Lord, we acknowledge our own brokenness, the isolation we so often bring upon ourselves. We acknowledge that our heart relationship with you is often impacted and um, impacted by, by our experiences in this world. And we repent of that today, Lord. We, we want our hearts to be connected with yours. We want you to declare over us who we are and whose we are as your children, as children of God. And Father God, I just pray that for every one of us, and particularly for any who may be here today and may struggle to know you as Father, may, may struggle to, to know whose they are, for those that they, that they would give you permission, God, to declare over them their name and their identity as your children, that you've adopted them, that you've loved them and adopted them as your children into the household of God. We thank you that you love us, that your love is real, that you care for us, that you protect us, and that we are yours. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.